You are now listening to the Hack My Age podcast, the show that brings you guests for biohacking women over 50. I'm your host, Zora Benamu, a digital nomad, certified sports nutrition and breathing coach, and master student of gerontology at the University of Southern California. I'm the author of the Longevity Master Plan, the cookbook Eating for Longevity, and a new upcoming program, Energy Reboot for Women 50+. Plus. Now, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, and I would totally appreciate it if you could please leave a review on Apple Podcast to help others find us too. This is a small but very critical gesture that makes a huge impact for me to support a podcast for older women and to help us grow stronger and really get our voice out there and attract even more amazing guests to the show for you and for me. Welcome. I rarely have guests come on for a round two, but there was no way I could not invite Celine Yeager on again to tell us about her and Dr. Stacey Sims' new book, Next Level, Your Guide to Kicking Ass, Feeling Great, and Crushing Goals Through Menopause and Beyond. Yes, <laughs> please. And, um, and these two amazing women have a whole tribe behind them of inspirational older women who are really are smashing it through menopause and totally disrupting ageist stereotypes. Now, Celine Yeager is really leading the way for so many of us women who are older and active. And many of her followers are over 50 and 60 and are still professional athletes hitting records climbing mountains and winning races outright over the guys too. So personally, I find this group so incredibly inspiring. And and I first found Celine through the Feisty Menopause Summit and through Dr. Stacey Sims, who is also an incredibly inspirational being. And, And this summit totally gathered amazing speakers on all the topics women going through menopause want to hear. And that sent me one very clear message. And that message was that menopause is a time to speed up and not slow down. That blew me away. And it showed me just an army of women who won't sit at the sidelines just because society has told them that it's game over and they really want to stay in the ring, smashing their goals and making even bigger dreams after 50. So that message completely resonated with me. And I I really want to scream it from the rooftops so that every woman can hear that. And Celine is not only the content creator of the Feisty Menopause group, but she is the host of one of my absolute favorite podcasts, Hit Play, Not Pause. And when we hit menopause, life is really just beginning in many aspects and, and the way that the population is aging and you got another good 30, 40 years ahead of you after menopause. So really, why would you want to even slow down? But Celine is so much more than this. And she's, she's also a top-selling professional health and fitness writer who is practicing what she preaches. She co-authored the amazing book, uh, Roar, with Dr. Stacey Sims. And just now, we finally got access to the new book, next level. Those are great books. I I'm, I'm really highly recommend every woman to you reading this. And I'm not done yet, so hang on. <laughs> Celine is also <laughs> an NASM. It's a National Academy of Sports Medicine certified personal trainer, a UCA, uh, USA cycling licensed coach, certified nutrition coach, pro licensed off racer, and former All-American Ironman. I think we need to change that word Ironman, maybe Iron Woman, I don't know, Iron Athlete. <laughs> 
She's a triathlete. So need I say more? She's badass and she's over 50 and we are going to learn how to be one of these two. So now without further ado, meet Celine Yeager. Welcome. Oh, that's a lot. Thank you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Appreciate but I it. Help it. You are so much. I'm really glad you came on because this new book, it launched what, two days ago, three days ago? The 17th. So Tuesday mm -hmm. and today's Friday. It's long waiting because the group that has been following you and Stacy have been waiting forever for this. We knew it was coming. Uh, you wrote Roar, which was wonderful for women athletes going through the whole life course, basically. But there was that one chapter on menopause. And I think that's where, you know, all the women over 50 are going through menopause or perimenopause that we, we need more. And that's pretty much why you, you came out with this other book. And it is in depth. I mean, I don't know. I read it on digital format over 300 pages or so now. 320, maybe. I don't know. They kept, we kept getting like, usually a book like this will come in at 280. I mean, there's actually, you know, just certain numbers that you, that you hit in books because of the layout. And I'd be so over it. They're like, okay, we'll add another chunk, you know, to like, then at some point they're like, all right, 320. I was 320. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It was actually very difficult. There were so many resources. My head was spinning with all, because, you know, you want all the resources of all the studies that we cite, and there's hundreds of studies that we cite. So there, there is actually, for people who want to do the reference or live on Dr. Stacey Sims' website, you know, we put them all there for, you know, people who want them. The book is chock-a-block full of stuff, and we're going to talk about that today pretty much. And I it was an interesting stat that said by 2025, which is not that long from here, more than a billion women around the world will be experiencing menopause. Okay. So the biggest goal you want from this book is really to bring menopause out of the shadows. So tell us a little bit more why and yeah, with that, that goal. Yeah. And I honestly, I think it's happening and it's happening at a rapid rate. When I started this notion of doing this podcast, you know, which really just came because Stacy and I were doing this book and menopause was starting to get talked about a bit more outside of, you know, it's always been in some of the magazines, like a prevention magazine and that sort of thing. But it's not really been something you'd read about in the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times. Right when Feisty Media approached me about maybe doing a webinar on this new book that Stacy and I were putting together. And I said, well, let's do a podcast. And Three weeks later, off we went. You know, Obama had come out, some being going through menopause, and you had the Oprahs. So you're having these powerful women in positions of, you know, where they have a large platform speaking about it. And it's had a huge effect. Like now you do see it in the Wall Street Journal and you see it in the New York Times. But it's interesting because, you know, in athletic and active spaces, it was still not really being talked about that much. And I think it's because of, all the stigmas still attached to it about being old and done and finished, you know, all that stuff. And just there's this still weird shame wrapped around it. So I was very adamant about taking that lane and owning it and just being like, we need to like, let's all talk about this because otherwise women leave the active spaces, you know, they stop doing the sports they, they love, or they stop going to the gym, or they stop doing the things that will actually help them, you know, navigate this and come out the other side, stronger, healthier, more emotionally and psychologically sound, like all of the things. So yeah, it was really important to me. It is. And, and there's a, what we studied in gerontology is this reinforcement of negative stereotypes that can happen 
and, you know, we talk about ageism and, and older adults, but yeah, that menopause kind of falls into that where the more you buy into that story, that people keep thinking, saying it or showing it on the media, these negative stereotypes, we, we do start to buy into it and reinforce this into our personalities and accept it. And it's really scary. It's, and it's very, very detrimental to our health and well-being. Really, I think you're helping people live longer, healthier, better lives because we are disrupting that. And that's why I want to change that narrative and bring menopause out of the shadows, normalize it. And that's what I learned from this book as well, that roar has normalized the word period and, mm-hmm. and, and women can start talking about their periods. And, and I feel that, you know, when I was approaching, I'm now 51, I'll be 52 next kind of couple of weeks. And, and I just, not even that long ago, probably late forties, I was talking to my girlfriends who are a little bit older or the same, you know, and they were going through some menopause and it felt like, I was just 13 again. Like, I know we're going to bleed and what's going to happen. And I have no information. And is it bad? Is it really that bad? You know, it's horrible. And That's here I so am, crazy, right? Yeah. A grown woman asking my girlfriends like, oh, so you got hot flashes. Like, what's that like? You know, it's just <laughs> like, come on. It's like, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. <laughs> yes. <laughs> cool. That's right. You just read. <laughs> yeah, that was a book. Definitely. It's that's where I felt like I was again not even, you know, that long ago. And I was so happy to find you and, and this whole feisty menopause group because you are normalizing it. And that's what I hope to bring, you know, as well through, through my platform and, and just keep sharing so that people know this is, this is something that does need to be normalized and talked about. And I'm, yeah. I'm wondering though, what do you want women and maybe even men to get out of this book other than just normalizing it? For me, it's understanding. It's just knowing what the hell is happening because I learned a ton. I mean, I learned everything from this book. I learned every, I had no idea when I went into this that estrogen was anabolic, that it would, that it was on every cell that it was involved, estrogen and progesterone involved in literally every metabolic system in our body, right? Every organ system, everything. I had no idea. Brain health, appetite. I mean, you name it. I had no idea. So just understanding what's going on takes down the temperature of your anxiety. And that in itself helps you get through. Because if you don't know what's happening, it makes you stressed out. It makes you, it, it, you know, your cortisol is up and your cortisol is already up, but you don't know that because you don't know anything about menopause, right? So what I've learned is from the guests on my show, even like sometimes they'll be like, yeah, I'm still trying stuff. I've tried hormones. I've tried all this nothing's really working for me because sometimes women have a terrible time and that it's just, it's hard for them to find their way, but they feel better because they understand and they have a path and they have things to try. That is empowering. And that sets up an empowering culture. And that's really what we're about is setting up an empowering culture for women in this space. So they are empowered. They're empowered themselves. They step into a culture that supports them and everybody wins in that situation, men, women, all of us. I agree. And I think every man who is um, living with a woman or has a woman in her life, in his life, has got to read this book or learn more from you and Stacey, because I keep telling my friends who are personal trainers, who are men, I, I tell them, you know, about the programs, I tell them about the books, because understanding a woman's physiology and you're trying to help them train or, or get better or heal an injury, phys, you know, physical therapist. There's so many people that can benefit from this book. And I just hope that they are open to that and they don't go, oh, it's a woman's book and I'm not going to read it. No, 
because I think there's a lot of things that you and Stacy highlight that are different. And that's what she's all about, is researching the differences between men and women and the research yeah. that's coming out and how we can fall into these fad diets and ketos and fasting and all that. And that may not be exactly the right thing for a woman. And, 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 and then on top of that, the, the education, the knowledge is, is, is huge. And, and we tend to rely a lot on our doctors who, who we say, well, you know, tell me what to do and how to do it. And I think doctors should be reading this. And there was another mind blowing stat from the book that I'll read to you now. And I just listen to this. It's a 2019 study published in the Mayo Clinic Proceedings found that out of 177 resident physicians in family medicine, internal medicine, and even obstetrics and gynecology who are dealing with women and those people who were surveyed, 20% received zero lectures on menopause during their training, fewer than 7%, fewer than 7% reported feeling prepared to help manage the care of women through their menopausal years. Only that's like nothing. And this is, this is modern day medical field. So these are physicians. These are people who are trained specifically in women's health that we're talking about. And how can you rely on your doctor? So really, I think what we're trying to do is advocate for women to advocate for themselves to take control of their health. And that's what this book can help them do. So thank you for coming up with some of these stats. I mean, the whole book is covered with a bunch of stats and, and of course the research. So we really can rely on that. So Maybe we should cover just briefly. I think I'm also really surprised that some women uh, don't even understand what the difference is between peri and pre and postmenopause and menopause and stuff. So, and you'd make that really clear in the book, but maybe we can just kind of quickly do that so that we're, we're on the same page. Yeah, I know a lot of, and it's, it's not really their fault because colloquially the, the terms are just thrown around, you know, menopause is thrown around as this giant bucket term that it would be easy not to really understand the nuances because nobody really talks in the nuances, but pre-menopause is as it sounds. It's, it's when you are still menstruating regularly and your normal cycle, whatever's normal for you. And you're not even in a place where your hormones are starting to do the fluctuation and you're having cycles where there's no egg release, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's just your normal reproductive period. And then at some point, Usually in the early to mid 40s, some women can start even earlier, but that's a general idea. You enter what is called perimenopause. And in that period, you know, you start not releasing eggs during an ovulation cycle and that throws off your hormones. And you, if you look at graphs, it's very obvious when women go into perimenopause because the estrogen and progesterone, they have been doing this nice rhythmic dance, look like they're having a seizure. You know, they're just like, <laughs> everything is, it's just, it, it's going a little haywire. <laughs> the, the knockoff effects are you feel that, feel when your hormones aren't in that rhythm anymore. And it causes that wide array of symptoms. And there's some ridiculous list of like 36 or 39. It keeps growing. But it's everything from, you know, your moods to your brain health to joint health, like everything gets affected. And it can, for some women, be very severe. Some women literally have maybe some hot flashes and they don't notice it as much. There's all kinds of components that kind of inclusion that you know, can never be overlooked in, in these things. And then menopause is one day in time. And most people probably don't even know what that one day in time is unless they are a religious tracker, which I was not one. But like when you have gone one year without a period, you are officially that's menopause. And then everything after that menopause birthday is postmenopause. 
Yeah. And we always think, you know, it's in you know, our forties or even like thirties, you'd never think of menopause. You're just like, oh, that's something for 50 plus or something. When you're 51 like or 52 or whatever, then I'll hit it. And yeah, I think it's going to be that one day and then you don't, <laughs> it's crazy. So I think that was a really great uh, explanation that we had in the book as well in terms of also our sex hormones and progesterone and testosterone and estrogen and the different types of estrogen. So great to take a deep dive into that without being too scientific. That's what I really liked about it too. It's not um, going to overwhelm you. It's just just enough. And what was interesting, like kind of what you said, you know, different women go through different, have different experiences of the menopause transition. But it was interesting to read that athletic women may have a better transition than sedentary women. And uh, so that's even more encouraging. And there's so many, I mean, even though this book, uh, you know, we do encourage, it talks a lot about athletic. I mean, we're athletic women in this community. Um, some are professional athletes. Some are just, you know, we go to the gym a couple of times a week. You know, it's just, it has the full range, but we're more active women. And so when we look at studies and fads and stuff, we don't really realize that it's actually the, many of the studies are done on, on sedentary men and it doesn't apply to us. So I, I think that was made really, really clear in the book as well. And But even the ones done on women are rarely done on this population. And that's really important to note too. Oh, so yeah. They're, so you're saying when they're done on women, it's more sedentary women? That's the population. I mean, you know, I mean, it is what it is. Like the vast majority of the population is not active. So a lot of studies are done on what would be representative of the population unless it is on specifically active women. You know, that's kind of what some really big takeaways I got from the book uh, that I think surprised me the first time I heard it, as well as anyone else I talked to, is the intermittent fasting, for example, especially in the longevity and aging world. And I'm in the biohacking space and we all are trying to fast and there's different types of fasting, you know, uh, and, and David Sinclair, doctor who's very big in, in the longevity space, is, talks about how training in a fasted state is great for autophagy and, you, you know, and, and so you jump on the bandwagon and you're like, oh, great. All right, I can do this. And, and what Dr. Stacey Sims has really highlighted is that when you're an athletic female, this is really not great for you. And, and she explains it in the book really well, exactly what is happening to the breakdown of muscle and we need to fuel our trainings. And this is where in the book as well, there were some great case studies and I loved it because yeah, you can really see somebody's journey and identify with that person go, oh, yeah, you know, I kind of do that too. And you can see how she takes them and where's their state now and then what adjustments she makes and then where, you know, how that's helped. And that's a huge one. I mean, maybe you can talk a little bit more in terms of the fasting and fasted state training and what's happening with women, you know, older women athletes. I don't think it's only older women athletes. Who it's are everybody. Actually- it's all it's 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 yeah. And there's a there's a whole hormonal milieu that happens with women that I cannot just dance you through off the top of my head. But we describe it in the book because Stacey goes deep, deep that. But essentially because of our evolutionary biology, like women are, you know, it is very stressful for us to be active in a non-fueled state. And that just raises cortisol. We already have higher cortisol as menopausal women, you know, but cortisol is not great for anybody to be. And that causes inflammation and the whole knockoff effects that happen when you raise cortisol. And it just really has the almost the opposite effect on women than it does 
even on men, like exercising that fasted state, you were so much better off just signaling to your body that it has some fuel because it doesn't take much. And she's really clear about that. Like you can have half a banana before you go to your CrossFit or whatever you're doing, but your body's just getting that, that message like, like okay, we're good. And women are so much more at risk for low energy availability, which we talk a lot about in the book. And that causes tremendous hormonal disruption. And what the science shows, which is very interesting, and I think really important for women to understand, is that even if you eat enough, right? Like say you eat 2000 calories a day. If that's not timed correctly, you can still be in a state of low energy availability in your body's mind, right? Like if you just dump it all at the end of the day, and that's another one of those problems with the IF, like with the intermittent fasting is a lot of women do end up just dumping all those calories in the, like the end of the day, but their body has done all these workouts in this non-fueled state and then not recovered, you know? So if you're not eating around your energy or your, what your energy needs, your body is still like, I have low energy availability. And then it's going to store it when you put it in at the end of the day, because it's like, oh, food. Okay. Food. Like, let's, let's keep that. Let's keep yes. every bit of it. And to add to that, even if you fall short, like say you need 2,500 and you eat 2000, if you put those around your exercise, you're still probably not going to slip into low energy availability because your body has what it needs on board to get through it and then has what it needs to recover. And that's what it really, that's what it really prioritizes. It sets you up for all kinds of just this vicious cycle of muscle loss and fat storage and low and high cortisol and all the things that you don't want if you're not just being in a fueled state. It's crazy. I think, and, and also the studies that she's done is not only, this is not only applicable to athletic women, but women in general, even sedentary women. And that's the really big difference with the studies that are done on men and women. Yeah, there was even that one in there about women who are pre-diabetic, who were more likely to slip into like <laughs> type two diabetes, which is exactly what you don't want. Like that's exactly what you're trying to avoid. And, and yeah, we have to remember yeah, we, we're, we're women, we have our hormones uh, different than men and we respond differently. So really anytime you read a study or you get a, there's a fad out there, think twice. I think, I mean, I'm not saying that it might, won't, whatever it is, it won't work. Just, just remember you're female and, and maybe dive a little bit deeper into the research and don't just take it. And just cause everyone else is doing it. And I think that in the book, yeah, getting enough calories, eating enough, and then eating around your training is, is super important. And, and one way that, so when we should describe this, especially in you in roar was, well, you know that you're in a lower energy state if you are skipping your periods, for example, you lose your periods. But when you get into menopause and you don't have your periods, then you know how do you know if you're in a low energy state, right? Yeah, it's harder. You lose that big red flag, pun intended. And you know now you have to go off of these other signs that you could, you know, that, that, that are nebulous, that could, that could be misread, you know, being fatigued or, or now I'm putting on more weight. So I must have to fast more and work harder. Right? You know what yeah. I mean? Like you can, all kinds of things happen because you don't have that, that signal. If you're not making any sort of gains or losing ground or, you know, not being able to hit your workouts, like a lot of times that starts with fuel availability. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, think about, yeah, look how, how you're responding to your training stress factors or, or another one, big one, big one. Yeah. I mean, just, you would never think about it. You're like, oh, I'm just, you know, overtraining or any, yeah. you know, whatever. You wouldn't put it down to, you know, low energy state, right? You would just think of, oh, maybe I'm getting older, I'm over, overuse, et cetera. But all you have to do is just 
eat a little bit more or put it around your training and these injuries and, you know, poor bone health as well. And your immune system may be getting sick a little bit more often. You know, you may want to look at those things and, and, and you and Dr. Sims just really, yeah, just highlighted that excellently in the book. And, and also, you know, a lot of people, I think this is a big question. Just everyone gets anyone who's in the nutrition area or help trying to help people with their nutrition is like the macronutrients, like how much, how much protein and how many calories and how many carbs and and again, you know, depending on the diet or whatever the fat is, you're, you're just like completely lost. And, and I think you guys made it clear in the book, you know, you're not calorie counters, not even, even macronutrients are not, you know, you don't like to count those, but there, there is that population that definitely needs that and just feels, you feel better. Some people feel more in control. And I think you broke that down pretty, pretty well. This episode is sponsored by Primadine, a supplement that if I had to choose only one, it would pretty much be this one. It's because Primadine is spermidine, and this has been shown to activate autophagy, which is super important. And it's basically a cellular cleanup and recycling process that declines as we age. When we get older, our cells accumulate a lot of junk and a lot of waste, and this isn't really great for us. So we need to clean it up. So if you want some research, go to primadine.com, and you can see all of it supporting cognitive health and heart health, hormone balancing, and long and strong hair, nails, and eyelashes by using spermidine. So another very important reason why I love primidine in particular so much is that I've never had received ever as much feedback about a product as I have with primidine. Literally several times a week, someone reaches out to me on Facebook or Instagram with an amazing testimonial. And most of the time it's about improved sleep. So I can honestly say that I can 100% be convinced now that primidine is the best spermidine supplement you'll ever find. And you can try it with a 15% discount by using the code Zora, Z-O-R-A, on primadine.com. And that's P-R-I-M-E-A-D-I-N-E.com. Now enjoy the show. Yeah, we have charts in the book. I mean, I generally tell people when I talk to them just to, if, if they need markers, especially with protein, I try to just say, try to get 30 grams at every meal, you know, if you can 30 to 40 and get something after your, your workout, like I try to keep it really simple. And that's probably because me, I don't like tracking and tracking and tracking. And I, I worry a little bit that that can set some people up for eating disorders and disordered eating. You know, I always, I'm yeah. always a little worried about that obsessive tracking element. Um, Cause it's also, it's just not necessary. Just in my experience with helping coaching people is I always tell them, you know, it's like kind of a last resort thing. If they want to try it, it's actually a great experiment to do for a week. And then you figure out where, where are you? Then people find out a lot about their diets and what they're eating. Oh, I didn't realize, you know, the, the amount of fat or the amount of carbs or the amount of protein or how little the protein I was eating, et cetera. It's, it's great insight. But like you said, you, die, you know, I try not to say you know, do more than, don't do more than a week. Just, yeah. it's that just to you know, have a little window where you're at. And then also gives you proportions. Like if you say 30 grams of protein at each meal, like what does that even mean? Right. It's good <laughs> to get an idea for sure. I a hundred percent agree with that. So yeah, no, I think that's definitely worked for me and my clients as well. It's kind of an easy thing to remember 30, 30, 30, if you're eating three times a day right? and then some snacks as well and, and get your protein in there too. So 
There was also a, a lot of interesting information about drinking water and hydrating. All right. And, and that's something was also kind of surprising. You know, I always, always drink just plain water. That's just kind of me. It's what I've always been doing. It's simple. But in fact, it, you guys highlighted a lot, you know, where you may want to add some salt and sugar is with that as well. Uh, you want to talk a little bit more about why? Yeah, it just facilitates hydration. They are transporters and it makes sure that the fluid that you're taking in goes in. Otherwise, you could be diluting yourself, to put it very simply, which is something that you don't want. You'll, you'll just end up peeing more, you know, yeah. like, so it's just, it's better. It really facilitates. And it's not a lot. You don't, please don't grab a Gatorade. Like no one is telling <laughs> you to do that, but it's literally, I think she says a 16th of a teaspoon, yeah, one you know, in, in teaspoon of a salt and 10 ounces of water. Totally. And like maybe a little drop of honey or maple syrup or something. And that just, yeah. is, it helps the, the transporter. So the fluid gets into your system. Stacy is a hydration scientist. So she yeah. is very, that's why there's a whole thing on hydration. You know, she's, it is important, but she is very well versed in it. And it's really, really important for this population because our thirst sensors get a little more blunted. That happens with age too, but mm -hmm. with the hormone changes, you know, that can be an issue for menopausal women. Our thermal regulation, you know, our abil body's ability to regulate its temperature is also hello, hot flashes, hello, night sweats, you know, that, that becomes harder and having all the hydration you need, like hydration in activity is power, right? You need mm -hmm. hydration. So your blood plasma is enough that you can sweat and deliver nutrients to your muscles. You know, you need that hydration and you need it to keep yourself cool. And if you are, you know, it's interesting. I just have a woman on the show next week who was talking about how she had many, many hot flashes where she was soaking wet during the day and she kept track of her hydration and she was losing quite a bit of fluid that she wasn't replacing, you know, and she was a mountain bike racer and she's like, I need to stay more on top of this. And I hadn't even really thought that, that you could conceivably lose quite a bit because you are sweating, yeah. you know, and if you have the lot of them, that adds up. It is really important and you'll just feel so much better. Like a lot of times, the first step is just to make sure you're really hydrated. And then that helps you take care of the rest because that's your blood plasma. It's a lot. Of, it takes, it's important. That was a great eye opener for me as well. So I also wanted to, if there was another interesting point that she made, and I, I, I learned this from the very beginning, even before the book uh, that the, you know, when we talk about eating a lot of protein. When you're in this biohacking world, you always think of Dr. Walter Longo and his studies showing the protein activating the mTOR pathways and increases your IGF-1. And this is putting you at risk for tumors and cancer. And I, I took a class with him in my gerontology program and just everyone was a protein phobe after that. We were so scared of eating protein. And so I, I approached Dr. Sims at the, it was in the um, uh, summit with this question because I didn't know what to do. You know, I was like, okay, here, she's a scientist. Yeah. She knows what she's talking about. I'm sure let's get this. And so in the book, it was really great. She did add, address that. And the way she explained it was that exercise, um, when you add exercise and, you know, you're eating protein and you're adding exercise that modulates the IGF-1 expression. So it minimizes your risk for cancer and tumors. So not to worry about it. Right. There's a theme you'll notice in the book about exercise, like, and that's what this, but it's important to note because so much of this research is done in the absence of it. Yes. You know, whether you're talking about like 
exercise puts a lot of the same stress on your body as like say fasting, you know, a lot, it's a lot of that stuff. So let's just exercise. (laughs) Like, Let's just, it's just way better. Right. It's like, you feel good. Maybe you're outside. It's a better approach in my opinion. I agree. I agree. But I can see the appeal maybe for some people who really don't like to move and they go, oh no, I'd rather just restrict my food. You know, well, maybe if that works for them, great, but just don't exercise. Don't add exercise and fasting. And even Dr. Longo would stress that because there was some studies done on that and the the outcome was really bad. That is not the longevity I want. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. No, no. So definitely, I think it's more fun to exercise. We get to eat more, enjoy our food, and yep. we'll have the same amazing benefits that you would get from, from fasting. So, but it's, I think it's easy, especially in my world, if, uh, biohacking and anyone who's reading and, you know, this wellness stuff is, is to, go, to do the exercise. Great. It's good for you. Well, let's do exercise and then do the fasting. Oh, great. That's good for you. Let's do the exercise. Then you get someone like David Sinclair saying, do exercise at a fasted state. <laughs> and, and you're like, okay. And you're setting yourself up for some real damage. And, and we don't realize, yeah, that's, we, we're women and we are athletic women and we need to take a totally different approach. And this book says it all. So I I'm highly encourage everyone to just get the book. Hey, I'm butting in for a quick second. If you enjoy the content brought to you in this podcast, consider supporting Hack My Age by becoming a patron on patreon.com. This is where you can drop a tip or become a member for the price of a coffee. Members get special material, free coaching, and private Zoom calls. Join us by going to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash hack my age. Thanks for your support. Now let's get back to the podcast. Yeah, and you'll you'll appreciate too that that so much of this research is done preclinically, it's done in cells, it's done in animal models. Like it doesn't always pan out long term, but in people, we're very complicated. So sometimes it's also using common sense, I think, is is sometimes underrated in some of these situations. I loved how she also went real deep into the gut, the gut microbiome. Oh, yeah. And uh, and how that improves our our mental strength and body composition and bone density absorbs the nutrients helps us with our sleep and we have a good healthy gut. I mean, there's just so much and and especially as we get older, you know, we ha- we're getting more fatigued and in and that gut may just have something to do with it. So I think there's the, the body composition as well. So what do you think is uh, women are you know how how they should focus on on repairing the gut or healing the gut or just keeping it healthy and, and what would fiber, fiber, fiber. That is one of the things that's really coming out. I don't know if you listen to Rich Roll at all, but yes. he has a microbiome expert this and boy, that, that was everything. I mean, coming down to cancer and cancer tumors have their own microbiome. Like it was yeah. like, this is like mind blowing stuff, but fiber was everything. I mean, fiber is everything for your gut. And that is also one of the things that is concerning when you start looking at low carb and you start looking at keto and you start looking at those diets, what do they all have in common is they start like, let's cut carbs. And it's very difficult to take all those carbs out and maintain the fiber that your microbiome needs, because Mm -hmm. that's what it feasts on. It feasts on plant fiber, you know, and and you, 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 I mean, ideally at this point should be getting, I just had on um, 
well, she's a she's a pelvic floor doctor, and she's like she has her patients go to thirty grams a day at this yeah. at this time of life because it's just so important. I would agree. Yeah, I mean, you guys had twenty five grams of fiber from plants a day, yeah. and That's- yeah. I would go up a little bit more too, but I, I think we also have to be, if somebody's listening to this and doesn't get a lot of fiber period, and if you're getting like five or 10 and you suddenly go to 25, you may have some gastrointestinal distress. Right. So <laughs> take it easy. Ease into it. <laughs> Ease into it. And, um, and another interesting fact you guys pulled out is that uh, about menopause and ethnicity and race is that Asian women process soy, uh, soy isoflavones differently than Western women because of the differences in their gut bacteria. I thought that was so interesting too, which is why there's a chicken and egg factor there when they're like, well, Asian women eat all this soy and their breast cancer is lower. They have lower, less menopausal symptoms. They've been eating it all the way up and they're bio, you know, genetically they have this microbiome that is different. So it may not, if 50 year old a uh, Western woman, you know, from European ancestry starts dumping all that soy in her system. It's not necessarily going to do the same thing. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's very interesting. I was wondering, I lived, you know, almost six years in Asia. So I'm wondering, uh, even though I'm European ancestry, I'm like, well, maybe, <laughs> maybe you get by, I mean, it does fluctuate <laughs> just by living there. <laughs> it's super responsive. I, when I had on uh, Stacy Kazanchuk, who is a microbiome specialist, I was surprised at like how rapidly your gut microbiome does change in response to what you're doing. The marathoners gut microbiome is different when, by the time they're done with their marathon, which is really interesting. I don't know how, like how those sustain. I don't know how durable those changes are. You probably have to, you know, repeat the process, but we're just beginning to scratch the surface of the microbiome and everything, all the roles it plays. I agree. I agree. There's, and there is so much, you know, even when we're, you know, with Stacey Sims, gets talks about the differences between men and women but you know what about the differences between Asians and Europeans and you know all Africans and you know I mean (laughs) we could go into so much you know do we have the same responses and uh you know I think that's you know and that's another deeper dive but that it's very very important and and uh, it's a question I kept you know asking my teachers and professors at, at university was just like okay is this only the American population? <laughs> because, yeah, it's an important question. And uh, but the research, uh, you know, the professors have said that you know most of the research, yeah, is done in 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 America or or in, in Europe, and so that leaves out a huge, huge population. At least the ones that, that the stuff that they were presenting us, and especially in gerontology, just even less. So I can't believe you only have fifteen minutes left. This is crazy. I want to hit just before I know we we this book talks so much about uh, much more than a diet and exercise, but let's just hit the exercise a little bit um, because we learned from the book that you know actually if you have followed Dr. Stacey Sims and and Celine Yeager, you know that you have to lift heavy shit, right? We call it LHS, <laughs> and then you go in really well, deeply. What does that actually mean in the book? Okay, I think that's that's super important. Hit training and sit training, SIT, mm-hmm. was really interesting in plyometrics. So maybe you can explain a little bit SIT because that's SIT may be a bit new for, for some people. Yeah. And just to put that super simply as sprint interval training. And it's really, once you start going like high interval, in, high intensity interval training, super popular, right? It's been around forever. Um, and it's beneficial, but for this audience, particularly like taking it down to sprint interval training, which is 60 seconds or less, even like in that 30 second is sort of a sweet spot. It's better for this population because it doesn't, it's doesn't raise cortisol the same way. Like once you start getting over 
60, the, the stress might become a little counterproductive, but like it's hitting those short, sharp, high intensity intervals are just really beneficial. Like that's just a sweet spot for this, for what you're going for, for those epigenetic changes and for the metabolic changes. That's, that's something that actually I did this morning after I read the book, I was like, okay, this morning I just did some hill sprints, ran up for 20, 30 seconds and just walked down for about 30 and then just kept repeating it. So I was inspired to do more of those and just try to incorporate them more into my, in, into my training schedule because yeah, the, the explanation you get is very, very convincing. And you feel good, right? Like you, I, I find it less fatiguing, like it's more energizing than fatiguing, which oh, I yeah. think is similar to like lifting heavy, like all of these things are, they leave you feeling up rather than beaten down. Yeah. And I think that makes sense. Absolutely. The cortisol is up and it's energizing you without being, having this chronic cortisol levels hanging around. You know, that's, that's the key is to, is when you have that, you have create adaptations in the body because it's short and fast and sweet. Totally. (laughs) And it's over before you know it. So, (laughs) well, that's it too. You can do anything for 20 or 30 seconds. That's what I'm like. That's one of the things I love about it. Like when I was training, I'd have like a five minute interval. I'd be like, oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) Five minutes is a very long time. When you talk about plyometrics and some more explosive movements and, and, you know, once we get a little bit older, we may have some injuries and, and maybe lost a ligament here or two. <laughs> and so you kind of go, well, how are we supposed to do that? Right. And still. And that's interesting because there are many ways to approach that. Like you, if you cannot actually jump, you know, I mean, if there's reasons that you can't jump, Carrie Ann Madden was on the show a couple of weeks ago. She's a trainer and she does like a threatening to jump kind of thing where, cause you're really just looking for that explosive movement. Yeah. So just like crouching and like exploding up, even if you don't leave the ground, you're still getting that energetics, right? Mm. Other things that you can do like kettlebell swings are really good. Like any sort of ballistic sort of, that's what you're looking for. And some people uh, do well, even just to do a little jump down as opposed to up, you know, so like jumping off a step in their house to the, to the ground. So there's lots of ways to get around that. And if you're unsure, working with a trainer is always, you know, highly recommended. Yeah. And you actually mentioned some pool work as well. Yeah. Yeah. You can definitely do some stuff in the pool and for the threatening to jump, you can hundred percent do that because you're going to spring up, but you're you'd like, you're just the, the, the weight will you'll go eight is buoyant in the water. So you're not going to land with that same force. So we'll do the same for your muscles, but maybe not for your bones, you know, like it's, that's the little bit of a trade-off there. Yeah, no, exactly. You know, you do have, you said the book is so thorough with that and, and talking about the differences in strength and power and, you know, how we need, we need both and how we can sometimes miss the mark. And, uh, you know, it's just chock-a-block. You, you talked also really well about um, hormone therapies as well. And, and so this is, this is a huge, huge topic when we start to perimenopause and we have our symptoms and, and how you give an alternatives to, you know, it's not everyone is, is, has to, or should, or, you know, wants to be on menopausal hormone therapy, which we're calling it instead of HRT, right? So what are some of the, the, the myths that you're, you're breaking as well with, with the therapy? It's interesting because hormone therapy has come it's almost dizzying, right? Like for, for 20 years, it was, it will kill you, you know, it will cause mm-hmm. breast cancer and everybody was scared off of it. But that's those studies. It was the million women's study out of the UK and the women's health initiative here that got misinterpreted and should never have been published that way. I mean, that's pretty much what the, the, 
conclusion is at this point, because those studies were done on largely older women. I think the average age might've been 69 in the Women's Health Initiative, because they were really just seeing if they could help women in that postmenopausal period, like be healthier. But what, what they did not recognize, which is well known now, is that your body it's not just the hormones, it's the receptors for those hormones in your body. Mm -hmm. And if you put hormones in when you don't have receptors, not good things happen. You know, so the risk, the risk for everything went up, the risk for heart disease went up, all this stuff. So there's now they understand that if you start that hormone therapy within the window around menopause, it's like 10 year window before age 60, the benefits can outweigh the risks. Now, all that said, it's the problem. And if you look in the literature now is that there's no one standardization of what hormone therapy is. So there's many studies that will show estrogen alone. will have like all these benefits and no risks. And then you throw a little progesterone in and all of a sudden things look different. And maybe there are some risks, you know, and what form is it in? Is it oral or is it transdermal? And that affects your risk profiles. There's a lot going on and it's not just a simple you know, there's this movement, like now we've, the pendulum has swung the other direction, like everybody should be on them. And that's just not necessarily true either, because we haven't figured that out. And there's trial and error. And I, I see that in the group, you know, I'll have people say that they started it and now they feel worse, or they're putting on weight, or they're, or they're more depressed, you know, because it just depends what their system looks like and what hormones they're putting into that system. So it's, it's pretty complicated. And, you know, one of the things that Stacy presents and she's a big proponent of it, I have used very successfully are those adaptogens that we have a whole section, you know, and mm -hmm. like the ashwagandha and the shisandra. And they're really just, it's all about that stress piece in many ways is sort of helping your body manage the stress and being more stress resilient. And I personally have found that very useful. It helps me sleep. It keeps me calm. <laughs> you know, so it's like, there's all the things and like if you are calm and you can sleep, then you're feeling better, right? Like that, that alone, you're recovering better. You can, a lot of times it's just one big domino you need to knock over. And a lot of times that's sleep. And a lot of times that's stress yeah. and stress maybe first because stress interrupts sleep, right? Yeah. If you can take one tear of one thing and that, that section's really about that. Let's take care of this one big domino. And, you know, and that's not a, you know, sometimes she gets criticized for being anti-hormones and she's anti-calling menopause a deficiency. And I am too, because it's a natural process mm -hmm. and hormones are one tool, but there are many tools. And let's like, look at all the tools. I love that position because it gives women a choice. And I think that, and you're empowering us and that rather than just taking a stance and saying, I am anti or I'm pro or whatever you're just presenting the data and saying, here, you go and try whatever you want now. And, uh, and so the wonderfully you've taken a deep dive into, into all of the adaptogens and you're giving, opening the window for, yeah, possibly menopausal hormone therapies for you. Um, again, with the guidance of a doctor. And I think it's like an art, you know, and I think doctors themselves are trying to figure out what is the right combination. You know, you may try it once and go, ah, oh, it's not working for me, but Let's say also give the doctor a chance to work with you yeah. to like get it right rather than throw up your arms and say it doesn't work. Just like with anything else, same thing with for just if you're taking holy basil, rhodiola or any other adaptogens and say yeah. it doesn't work, but give it a chance. And, and, and you did a great explanation of 
how to buy them, can you combine them, um, when to take them, and just really great deep dive on that. So really appreciate uh, all of that. And we didn't even talk um, about the sleep and the recovery, the motivation, the mental health, and you've, you've pelvic floor and vaginal health. Like, That's a whole book, man. So <laughs> it's great. hard to talk about in an hour. <laughs> I know, we can't talk about it. So we'll leave it for another, another time. But I highly, highly encourage everyone to please just get this book, you know, and it's such an easy read. And it's it's just going to be, you know, I took notes like fervently. I have so many more notes here, but um, we won't have time to talk about them. But I want to open up the panel to anyone here who has questions or comments, or if you've read the book, please show the book <laughs> if you have it. It's, it's, it's wonderful. So um, yes, please unmute, go ahead and, and ask. Thank you for this uh, this topic. It's uh, definitely interesting to me because I've, I, uh, at 50, uh, did a, my first competition, a bikini competition, and um, I learned a lot. I entered menopause about, full on menopause about a year, about a year afterward. I noticed a lot more stress and trying to have the energy, the energy level. So I'm still trying to understand the core issues whether adrenal fatigue is, is one thing or cortisol, all the, it's, it's one big web of trying to understand your body. But one thing I can say, I was juggling the, um, the fasting and the eating every six hours. And for my body, I noticed I had the less, the least amount of stress when I was eating religiously at the right time on a consistent time, whether it was three to four hours a day. And when I did that, I felt like I had more control over my body composition and how I felt. And for me, that was my best choice. Now, do sometimes I do want to reset myself, I call it, and I do do maybe a day fast where I'm not working out. But when I'm working out and I, and I eat religiously, my three to five, between 3.5 to four ounces of protein, complex carbs, my water intake, I'm balancing everything. I feel my best. And so for that, it works out the best for me. So I just wanted to share my, my religious timely eating and I can eyeball my 3.5 before I'm not, you know, constantly weighing it, but I felt my best and I have more control over how I feel, you know, energy wise. That's good to hear. So I've, I've tried it different ways. And when I don't eat, I start feeling my hot flashes. I start feeling the stress that comes upon me, like overwhelming. And I'm like, this isn't for me. So I'm listening to my body. That's a, always a good thing. There, there was an interesting point that you guys made in the book as well is what women mistake that women can make is that their off day uh, is that we don't eat or we don't eat as much. Or we don't get those protein amounts of protein. Uh, we, we still need, we think that we should. Your body's repairing. It still needs it. Yeah. So yeah, please fuel, keep fueling for the repair process. And, and that's, you know, we always tend to think, you know, we're not going to use that energy, but in fact, the energy is needed because you just destroyed and broke down your muscle. Right. <laughs> Thank you so much, Giovanna, for that. Nancy or Shana, you got any questions? Or, or um, I think you wrote, read the book, one of you, Nancy. I've been inhaling it. I'm almost done with it. And, and I've been sort of get following Dr. Sims and, and, and hit play, not pause, and Celine for, for a while now. And, and I've been making changes to how I fuel and, and my training. And I bought the book for my coach. So now she's got it. 
and I'm noticing the differences in, in my performance, um, in my ability to recover. My sleep has gotten so much better. Just, just adding in, I've got my whoop strap, um, but just adding in things like the, the tart cherry juice and, and things like that. And, and even we, we had that, that That's so important. AMA on Monday and just some of the things that came up in that I've been following that leading up to my race this Sunday. And I'm noticing that I feel, I feel more prepared. Oh, what's your race? Doing Chattanooga 70.3. Oh, good luck. What's your bike back there? Yeah, uh, it's a Fuji Norcom. First time flying with it, made it. Um, but yeah, just everything. And just reading this book, I'm like, yep, that makes it, it makes so much sense. Um, I wish I had known about this when I started perimenopause. Oh, good. Because <laughs> my perimenopause, I, I got more athletic when I started perimenopause. It was like the my response to, oh my God, everything is going haywire. Let's go for a run. It, it definitely probably made my perimenopause easier. <laughs> that is great. That is great. I just, that's, that is a good way to go. <laughs> we got to get this book out for, for more people before they hit the menopause. So I <laughs> just, I hope that word, yeah, I mean, just menopause doesn't turn them off. So let's, let's share it. Well done. I'm so, I'm so proud of you, Nancy. And thank you so much for, for sharing that. That's, that's really great to hear. I'm glad you, you got it in time and, and you got through it. Um, I don't know if you have a question, Shauna, or you're, you're welcome to unmute if you'd like, or. Celine, Zora, thank you so much for this. I do have my book too, as well. Yes, I am most of the way through. I'm finding myself going, I'm flipping between chapters, right? Like I'm sort of, what's wonderful about it, I think is how concise and organized the different chapters are. So you really can zero in on the specific thing or like question that you have without having to, you know, really do a lot of scanning. Um, I think that's amazing. Um, and the resource here is incredible. So I took um, Stacey Sims uh, Menopause for Athletes course, the beta version in 2020. And, um, and you know, all that same information, of course, is here, but now I, <laughs> I can read it without like a Google translator beside me, right? So that, I am her Google translator. <laughs> yeah, I am Stacey's Google translator. Indeed. And it's so yeah. thank you. It's fantastic. I have been ordering this for all of my girlfriends and my coach who is a 30 year old dude. And um, <laughs> it's sort of the, the gift I'm giving to my friends who don't maybe know they need this gift yet. And I'm hoping they take it in the way that I'm going to give it. And just that I want us to just all be strong. Uh, amen. We are preaching to the choir here, at least. Yes, I, that's what I, that's my goal too. So I do have one question. There's incredible amounts in this book. I've been scanning it for one particular thing. And because it's not really in there, I'm expecting that maybe there isn't an answer. So please forgive me for asking what this, this tiny little gap. So I, the, the thing that's been new for me, I, I'm 46, definitely perimenopausal. And the new symptom is um, joint aches at night, like really intense joint aches. But by the time in the morning comes, they've, they've resolved again. And I'm just like, I think it's a symptom. I'm not a hundred percent sure it's a symptom, but I'm also not sure how to address it, like working with nutrition or training. And if you have any thoughts at all, I'm just curious about people's experience with that. Joint aches are quite common and they are in the book, um, but not just at night. Uh, but the overall joint ache, I have not heard someone say that they resolve in the day. Like often they're that is one thing that if it's persistent, that hormone therapy can help as you go through the transition, because that is because of those fluctuations, you've got like just a lot of inflammation in the joints. I mean, you can try anti-inflammatory 
steps, you know, diet, like through your diet and stuff. But if that doesn't resolve it, don't be afraid to go to your doctor. I've had many people on the show tell me that they have been able to get athletes back cycling, horseback riding, all kinds of stuff by just helping them with a low levels of hormone therapy to sort of regulate things while they're going through the transition. So it's just something to keep, yeah, keep them in mind. Okay. Appreciate that very much. That was in the chapter, I think the mobility, agility, and core. Cause I remember that as well. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm one of those people too. <laughs> I mean, not at night or anything like that. I mean, it just, yeah, the inflammation and, and all that. So I think, yeah, the hormonal therapy is, is definitely, yes. Yeah. Like you said, ask your doctor about it. Yeah. It can, it can definitely help with that, with disruptive like joint pain. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, wonderful. Well, I'm going to have to let you go. I would love uh, everyone to please get this book, stock up on it. Like you, it's just a great gift to give. You know, a lot of women don't know about this, or if you have a younger woman who's premenopausal to get the roar, but, but this book next level, your guide to kicking ass, feeling great and crushing goals through menopause and beyond. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it many different places where books are sold. Um, the go and, and listen to the hit play, not pause a podcast, and you can find, uh, um, the feisty menopause.com uh, or Celine Yeager, uh, dot contently.com. Is that correct? Go to fightpause.com. That's where all my newsletters and blogs about menopause are. Oh, great. Yes. And, and, yeah, and, and, and the website feisty menopause as well has the, as a, yeah, has so many great resources. You're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I'll put all of this stuff in really, you guys are all over the place, whether you Google Celine Yeager, fit chick three, uh, Dr. Stacy Sims or feisty menopause it all, all roads lead to, to Rome. So you will, you will find what you need there. I'm so, so glad. Is there anything last minute things you'd like to share uh, before we, we go? No, I, th- I think we covered it and I'm just so, I'm just really grateful and I'm humbled. Like, I don't even really know what to say. I've, I've written or co-authored or contributed to almost three dozen books at this point, you know, like uh, there's a lot of books, but I have not ever felt the enthusiasm and overwhelming love (laughs) that I have felt with this book coming out. And I'm honestly a little over, like, I feel a little overwhelmed by it, but I'm just incredibly, incredibly uh, grateful. And it just, it shows that there is a hunger for this and that we are here and that we're, this matters, menopause matters. And, you know, we debuted, we, we were yesterday, number one on Amazon in sports training, general women's health and menopause. So it's like, it matters. So yes. thank you. I mean, I just really appreciate everybody and everyone's support. Oh, menopause matters. I like that. <laughs> oh, well done. Well, thank you so much, everyone who's been listening. Uh, thank you so much, Celine, for your time. I really appreciate it. We do. We only scratch the surface. Honestly, we could go on forever. But um, really, I hope to have you on again a third time. You're really, really I just I love you and I love everything that you do. And you just keep keep smashing it and inspiring women all over the world. So thank you so much for that. Bye bye. Hey, did you enjoy the podcast? Don't forget to subscribe to be notified of all the new episodes and leave a review to help build the tribe. It's a small act of kindness that brings me big benefits and helps others find this amazing content. The best thing you can do is share. Sharing is caring. 
statements made on this podcast have not been evaluated by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Anything we say or products we mention are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information provided by this podcast is not a substitute for personal medical advice and not intended to replace a one-on-one relationship with a qualified healthcare professional. It is intended as a sharing of knowledge and information from the personal research and experience of me and my guests.